0: You're listening to The Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arique, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Bark Board, Mr. Jackson Moore. And, Jackson, how's it going? It's been quite a while.
1: Yeah, it's going well, Lucio. Just trying to stay cool. <laughs> Enjoyed that <laughs> weather as long as we had it for June. But, yeah, it's hot now, and that means uh, football season for us. With <laughs> Fall camp's always 100-plus degrees, so it feels like football in Fresno right now.
0: Oh, absolutely. We're at that point right now where triple digits is the norm, and uh, well, it, usually when the triple digits get here, it means it's pretty close to football, but it seems like it's even closer this year because it took a while to get to those triple digits, Jackson. I, I was I was a little spoiled for a little while, and then all of a sudden it just showed up. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I believe you're kind of feeling the same way. You're like, I hope it never gets here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I remember last year they had some really really hot fall camp practices so uh, I I think those triple digits might be here for a, a good month or so. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I'm hoping that it doesn't stick around for too long this year so that we can uh, we can enjoy being out there uh, unlike that one year where Connecticut came to town and that I mean it was just it was horrible. <laughs> I mean none of us could even stand out there anymore. We're all looking for shade at that point. And of course that was right after yes. COVID. I <laughs> mean it was it was
1: that's a good time. It reminds me, uh, Coach Tedford talked about the heat at media days and mentioned that at the home opener, because it's so hot, the team is actually going to wear white and then attempt to stay a little bit cooler when they play Eastern Washington. And they're also asking the fans to all wear white too. So keep that uh, red wave in the back of your mind uh, for the season opener to wear your white Bulldog gear uh, on the first game. The the red wave will be a, a white wave, I guess, for one day.
0: Sounds like I need to start. I need to come up with some white uniforms for us. So uh, I'm, gonna have yeah. that, I'm gonna have to work on that. Let me see what I can do in getting us some white ones. Um, but you know, as as the the season gets closer, of course, there is still, uh, you know, there's there's kind of a, a little bit of uh, rumors in the air that we may come come up with another local recruit, Jackson. There's uh, looks like a deadline's looming, and the Bulldogs are still kind of in the mix. Right, Jackson, on on a particular local.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're recording a couple of hours here before decision time for two local recruits, Landon Wright and Marshall Sanders at Clovis West, and I've been hinting on the VIP board throughout the day that there might be some good news coming for Fresno State. I would be stunned if they got both of them, but there's a chance that at least one's going to be a Bulldog. There's, you know, it's been going down to the wire here from what we've understood and. So, uh, you're probably listening to us after this news has actually broken. So, head to barkboard.com. I know we've got uh, some coverage prepared regardless of how this goes, and uh, you can catch up on all the latest right there on our, our free articles.
0: Absolutely. Jackson's keeping tabs on it. So as soon as the news breaks, if, if it is, if, if it does land with the Bulldogs, Jackson will have, uh, the news ready to break as quickly as possible. So, uh, keep an eye on that. So if you don't see something on there, by the time you're listening to this, uh, to this podcast, then Chances are they didn't sign with the Bulldogs, <laughs> so <laughs> so we'll, we'll go with that one. So, but uh, Jackson, this past week, uh, it, it seems like it, you've been pretty busy, especially with uh, media days happening for the Mountain West, and so there was a lot of stuff happening during uh, during that time. You you got to get a lot of good information, and one of that is. The the uh, Mountain West polls where Fresno State is being picked third in the Mountain West. Uh, how do you feel about that? What what what's your thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, you know i I think personally, uh, when looking at Fresno State and the defense that's coming back and being the defending conference champions, I've got enough confidence that uh, I could pick them number one myself. But I was kind of expecting number two. Uh, Boise State brings a lot back. They went undefeated in regular season play last year, and uh, there's a lot of hype on them right now. So, I mean, they pulled in uh, 28 of the 37 first-place votes, so I wasn't surprised there. A little surprised Air Force comes in at number two ahead of the Bulldogs. Um, Fresno State did have more first-place votes than the Falcons. They had five. Air Force had two, uh, but the Falcons narrowly edged the bulldogs in the voting. So it's got to mean quite a few third, maybe some fourth place votes for Fresno state by some of the pollsters out there. Um, but I think you look at Boise state as kind of the consensus favorite right now. Um, and then Fresno state air force and, and not far behind them is San Diego state. It seems to be another tier there uh, after them with San Jose state, Wyoming, uh, Colorado state, Utah state all still kind of in that middle of the pack. Um, And then rounding things out, um, UNLV uh, was ninth, but they had a first place vote. And uh, uh, after them, you had Hawaii, Nevada, and um, New Mexico. So uh, my personal view is a little bit different, but generally speaking, looking at the tiers, I don't have too many complaints about it. And uh, looking a little closer at those contenders, just the fact that Fresno State and Air Force don't have to play each other. Everyone else in that top five is basically a round robin So so I think the Bulldogs and the Falcons have the easiest path path to get to the conference championship and uh, Potentially play each other there Um, But this is the first year that we got a 12 team poll Uh, if it was like past years Fresno State would be the favorite in the West Division Um, But that's been eliminated now. So I can't gripe too much, but uh, I think the Bulldogs might be undervalued if uh, they turn out as good as we think they have the potential to be.
0: Yeah, and uh, how do you feel about that number one vote for UNLV?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I thought when they fired Coach Arroyo that uh, they— they would be terrible this year. And their new coaching staff, uh, Barry Odom, I mean, he has slowly been convincing me with some of the hires and the players they're able to keep and some of the transfers. I am thinking they're going to be quite a bit better than ninth um, but I don't think they're going to be first by any means. <laughs> <laughs> well, the,
0: the team's yeah. all receiving first-place votes, of course, Boise State, Air Force, Fresno State, San uh, San Diego State, and, of course, UNLV. Uh, now, the other team, San Diego State, only received one vote for first place. So uh, there's a lot of people who are not thinking San Diego's going to make it up there. Um, of course, Fresno State got five five first place votes and air force got two so i'm kind of kind of confused on how that works where fresno's third (laughs) and air force is (laughs) second um so i i don't know that's a little uh, a little concerning to me so I, i honestly i think the 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 tier should be boise fresno then air force uh because of the first place votes but you know that's just my opinion jackson i guess it doesn't mean much right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but uh, but we'll see we'll see how that all shakes out once the season gets going Uh, i mean we will get a better understanding once once the teams hit the field I mean, there, we've had years where uh, teams uh, were ranked to finish at the bottom and ended up at the top. So uh, how much how much credence do you put into these polls?
1: Yeah, you know, um, a year or two ago I, I did a kind of an evaluation of how the last 10 or so conference polls have gone, and it was kind of hit or miss. There were some that were really dead on, some were way off, and Fresno State probably the best example of having so much variance because – You look at 2017, they were picked last in the West Division, and they won the whole darn thing. Uh, You look at the opposite way, too. I mean, 2014 and 2019, Fresno State was the favorite to win the division, and both of those teams, well, they they did win the division in 2014, too, but both of those teams had losing records at the end of the year, so it was not exactly the way that the Bulldogs were predicted to be. And, you know, uh, this is one of those teams. I mean, coming off of a conference championship, losing a ton of stars, Uh, There are a lot of question marks for this team to answer and replace, and I I did an in-depth piece on that in the VIP board actually comparing um, this team, this 2023 team coming off of a 22 championship to what 2019 did after the 2018 season, and what the 2014 team did after the 2013 season, and trying to make sure we can convince ourselves that there's not going to be a letdown here. because uh, You know, you could see it happening and losing so many, you know, Jake Hayner, Jordan Mims, Jalen Cropper, Nico Ramirez, David Perales. I mean, there's so much talent lost from this team, but I'm a firm believer that this defense and also this schedule that the Bulldogs are going to play is quite a bit easier than those other two seasons. I mentioned, I, I think there's a recipe here for Fresno state to repeat as conference champions. If the offense can, find its
0: rhythm and that and that's all going to be key is going to be revolving around that quarterback position knowing who's going to come into that position and taking over for jake hayner uh there's a a lot of talent being that needs to be replaced there uh, with hayner uh leaving so uh you know tedford and company is going to be doing their evaluation to see who's going to be going to be the best player to fit that position any front runners uh, that you think right now, Jackson? Because uh, right now it's between two, I believe.
1: Yeah, that that was an interesting quote from Coach Tedford. I got a piece on the free side about what he said about the quarterback battle and the offense, and um, the belief has been that it's three to four guys that are going to have a legit chance: Joshua Wood, who redshirted last year, and Jaden Mandel, the true freshman, both vying for the job, but. Tufford kind of narrowed it down to the two main guys in his quotes, which is not too big of a surprise by what we anticipate it's going to be, but it was just kind of a surprise for him to to word it that way that it's Mikey Keene and Logan Fife, and my personal belief is that. Mikey Keene is going to end up being the guy. I, I would be shocked if it goes otherwise. But um, Logan started the four games last year. First two weren't pretty. The second two uh, were two big wins for the team a, a tough one over San Jose State and just an eruption on offense, <laughs> the, the New Mexico start that he had. And you know, he's got a lot more confidence right now, a lot more expectations in himself. So well, he's going to give it a very hard competition here. And, and Keene's definitely going to have to earn it. But uh, I fully expect Mikey Keene to, to be the starter and um, Coach Tedford Talked more about him of course just because He's new in the conference and people want to Know about him so um, Coach Tedford I think probably the most important thing he said Was that when someone Distances themselves then that's when they'll, They will name a starter so There's no real target date, but that could also mean they're not going to wait for kickoff at Purdue to let us know who's going to start. If someone is having a great first two weeks of camp, they might shut it down, name a starter, and um, then we'll know well ahead of time who it's going to be at Purdue.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and but you know, just watching uh, some of the play between the two quarterbacks, I don't know Jackson. I, I, Fife looked a lot better during that spring uh, showcase. Uh, I'm, <laughs> uh, I don't know. He he may come and surprise a lot of people. I uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll we'll see if I'm being. Uh, just a little optimistic about Fife here. Uh, But he did get a lot of uh, playtime under his belts last season by necessity. Uh, So that might have given him a little bit of an edge of already working in this office uh, offense. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that, that progresses now coach Tefford not only talked about the offense and and certain things but he also talked about the defense and and what else you know what what did he really talk about there Jackson
1: yeah I really liked what someone wrote on the boards um I'm trying to remember who the, where that post was um they talked about how Coach Tedford usually likes to undersell and (laughs) over-deliver. He's not one to really hype up the team or a particular player. You know, he's going to be very modest and give a lot of coach speech. speech. But uh, the quote he gave about the defense was that uh, he was asked, are they one of the best defenses in the nation? And he replied, I truly believe that we are one of the best defenses in the nation. And then he talked about, losing some pieces like a David Perales, but by all the pieces that they've added that this, de- and most importantly for the defense, the fact that it's year two under coach Coyle instead of year one, uh, they're not starting from scratch like they were last year. It's the, All these returners have the defense down, but he said this defense he thinks is even better than they were last year based off of all that. So um, a lot of confidence, a lot of praise for this defense. Uh, I'm all in about it. You look at the last four games, they only allowed nine points per game, which is astonishing. And then it's even crazier when you look at when some of those scores were. Boise State scored in garbage time. Nevada scored 14 points. The game was over before they scored any of those points. One of them came in the last two minutes. Um, Wyoming was a shutout. Washington State scored one legit touchdown. So, um, I mean, they've only given up like one Real touchdown and meaningful time in the last four games, and if this defense is anything like that, uh, this is going to be a very special season on that side of the ball. And then you hope that the offense has enough firepower to take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if this if if this defense comes out hot in uh, at early part of the of the season and allows that offense to get to just catch up. Um, it could it could turn out to be a really good season for the Bulldogs. Now, granted, there's the all the question marks on offense, but if they can get all those sorted out, it, it should be a pretty decent season for the Bulldogs, uh, and possibly another run at a, a Mountain West title and uh, and an, an, another huge bowl game. So, uh, we'll see how how that translates on the field once uh, once things start to settle in and things get rolling. But then you know, Tedford took some time. He was talking about both the offense and the defense. But he also mentioned uh, about his uh, the way uh, about his tenure of coaching and and where he's at right now in his career and and what did he what did he uh, talk about there, Jackson?
1: Yeah, so I mean, he said that he's feeling really good. He said he feels the best about he's ever coached in a long time. He said he feels he could go another decade <laughs> as a head coach, <laughs> pres- presumably at Fresno State. and That surprises us. You know, those-
0: <laughs> we were thinking, what, five years?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, after seeing what happened before, I mean, he, he goes three years and has to step down with the health concerns. I mean, it was so abrupt and unexpected after the way the first two years went that, you know, you just kind of, I think, uh, if you're a Bulldog fan, kinda count yourself fortunate for each year you can get with Tedford. Um but if he's truly has ten years under his belt, I mean you don't have to worry about the Tedford era ending abruptly anytime soon. You think about twenty thirty three maybe Tedford's still being the head coach and <laughs> uh, who knows, maybe the Bulldogs in a, a power five conference. Wouldn't that be great? But um you know, I, I think there's too many variables to to pencil that in, but it was really nice to hear him say that and uh, to, from what he's saying, at least, no setbacks in his health. Um, he's very grateful that he's at where he's at. But he said the two years off made him really reflect on his time and made him really grateful for the little things behind the scenes. And you know, it was pretty cool to hear that. It sounds like he's probably enjoying all that stuff even more than raising the trophies. But uh, I'm sure he's looking to, to do that some more as well. <laughs>
0: It looks like he's trying to challenge Joe Paterno for uh, the longest uh, uh, going into the, the, his senior uh, age there and, and making it as long as he can. Uh, but it, yeah, it's uh, it's good to hear that he feels very healthy, feels very energetic. Um, we couldn't say the same a few years ago. I mean, it it was he was you could tell he was tired. Uh, but it looks like, uh, he's gotten his health back under control. Um, and that's a good thing because, uh, he, when, when uh, Tedford is healthy, that's only good things for the Bulldogs. And right now, that's, uh, that's getting us headed in the right direction. Um, but, you know, of course, during media days, um, they take the time to, to go ahead and, um, make selections for the preseason all mountain west teams and of uh, of course there's like I believe there's 27 selections and Fresno State ended up picking up two of those right Jackson
1: yeah you know I'm not the biggest fan of the way that they do it um Uh, Of course, I also cover some Pac-12 stuff for 24-7 sports, and they have a first team, they have a second team, they have honorable mentions, so a lot of players get recognized, and there's uh, stories for everyone to to write there, Uh, but the Mountain West just did one single team, uh, offense, defense, special teams, first team, no second team picks, no honorable mentions, so... Uh, that narrows things down quite a bit. And they got at least Fresno State with two picks. Uh, the picks were Devo Bridges on the D-line and Mose Abado on the offensive line. Um, so they were the only two. Uh, I think if there were more a uh, second team, you'd have a lot of other guys, maybe Lavelle Bailey, Malachi Langley at the linebacker positions. Uh, I think Cam Lockridge should have been the first team all Mountain West preseason pick at cornerback. Carlton Johnson, also very deserving of some sort of mentions Um, a lot of players that when you look at other or you look at media outlets that are doing preseason all-conference teams are getting recognized that we're not picked for this particular preseason all-conference team. So, um, but it is what it is. The Bulldogs have the the two picks and at least you can feel pretty good about what the Bulldogs have on the line. Vavalo started like almost 30 games in a row for Fresno state bridges had a breakout year. He's going to be moving from defensive tackle to defensive edge, uh, trying to be that uh, David Perales replacement there on the outside. So we'll see if he can have as big of an impact there as he did in, on the interior. Uh, if he does, that's a big deal for Fresno state on defense. So um, excited about those two, but I think there's a whole lot more guys that will end up on those all conference teams at the end of the year that got no mention at, at media days.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there's going to be usually what happens is they they make these selections at media days, and then uh, and then Fresno State comes out with a a, a, a slew of all stars uh, throughout the season. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I never really pay too much attention to to the all conference picks because uh, a lot of times they, they get it wrong right Jackson I mean, mm-hmm. uh I mean I'm not to say that they're gonna get it wrong with these two players that Fresno State has but there's a number of other players that probably should have got mentioned um and so that will we'll see once the season starts going and and who really stands out so yeah uh, I don't know media days. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it's all, all the cracked up to be right Jackson. I mean, you get a chance to, to, to deal with that stuff. So what's your overall opinion on media days and, and what it's all about?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a really neat thing. <laughs> I think it's very good to hear from all 12 coaches.
0: He's being very political here. People
1: <laughs> I say, um, I, I liked the way that I covered the twelve media day today. Uh, remotely, and I kind of prefer the way they do it. They just have basically a press conference with everyone back-to-back-to-back. Uh, to back to back. Uh, the Mountain West was more of a hybrid. You had different media members getting their individual chances, and um, the only really public thing that came out of it was uh, their own Mountain West network interviewing coaches and players. So, um, And they separated into two days, so it's been interesting to see the different approaches. I think for us at BarkBoard.com, what we do um, you know, we're going to get a lot more one-on-ones considering we're at almost all 28 preseason practices that they are going to have and uh, get, you know, just talk to the, the players and coaches uh, about Fresno state that we want to talk to. So um looking forward to the team to, to actually getting out there. I kind of feel like day one of fall camp is our own little media day where we finally get to talk to coach Tedford ourselves one-on-one and, certain players we want to hear from and, and actually see the team in action.
0: Yeah. I, I, we, we usually get more out of, uh, of f- fall camp than we do uh, with media days. Cause it's, it's really, it's kind of limited in the way they do things over there. And in Jackson, since COVID has a lot of things changed on how they, they do things there.
1: Uh, from my understanding, it, it's about back to normal now. Um, there was the one year that they had the virtual media day, I believe basketball. I remember doing that on, on zoom or whatever it was, but, uh, yeah, they, everyone met in Vegas this year, two days for the mountain West and one day coaches, one day players. And, um, I, I know for them, they do a lot with the television partners, CBS, the, like they shoot a lot of the behind the scenes things that end up showing up on the broadcast during the season. So a lot gets done there these days. And, um, uh, a lot of media availability with a variety of coaches and players.
0: Yeah. So yeah, things things seem to finally everything is seeming to get back to normal. Um, I don't think uh, there's much much of a hangover from COVID. Uh, other than I think we're getting close. Are are we done with the super senior years, Jackson? Or or is there one more year of that? I, I'm kind of
1: yeah. There's a couple more of those. I mean, when <laughs> you. If you were a freshman in 2020 and then you redshirt in 21, uh, then you can play through 25 as a 6th year senior. So oh boy. a couple more years of that. And uh, we see that impacting the transfer portal too. Uh, a lot of, you know, there's an overload of players and there's a lot of graduate transfers that might just want to do something else with their sixth year. So uh, I think that'll cool some of the portal stuff off after 25.
0: I, here's, here's an off, off the wall kind of a question. What if they end up liking this whole super senior thing? Do you think they might they might do something to kind of mimic that whole situation? <laughs>
1: uh, I, I can't see them doing it. Um, it. It's an interesting twist, and especially when you get someone that you know, maybe didn't play a lot as an underclassman, um, it's a neat thing to see them get that extra year. But I mean, there's players that played all of 2020 and are going to play four more years. They're going to have five full seasons. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you don't want to, you, there's, they're not going to create a system where, Someone can play five years in a row at a certain school, I don't think.
0: Well, they may add a whole nother year of eligibility. You never know, Jackson. <laughs> they may like it so much they'll add another year. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, you know, with that being said, of course, we're, we're going to start heading into the next portion of our show, and that's, and that's touching upon recruiting. And I know we opened it up with a couple of locals that may end up committing or may not committing to Fresno State. But in the past few weeks here, we have had other uh, players commit to Fresno State um, since our last podcast. And so uh, why don't we take a chance to kind of go over those? I believe you said there was three local commits that happened since the last time we had a podcast?
1: Yeah. So the Bulldogs, they had a really good run. Uh, They hosted their um, high school recruiting camp um, the end of June. And had a lot of locals on camp, uh, on site. They had a lot of them show up. Even some of the ones that didn't participate came by and had meetings with the coaches. So uh, they put the full court press on, on some of these guys um, and really made the most of it, especially because with the, the weather and stuff, uh, and you know, there's not a whole lot going on around campus in June here. So while most of college football, particularly the Power Five conferences, have moved to do official visits in June, Fresno State has been able to kind of sit back and do those in the fall and closer to signing day, which uh, has worked out for Fresno State, especially if you can find other ways to get commitments in June, which they did with three locals. Um, They picked up two from Clovis West uh, back to back. uh, Athlete Jordan Piero is a three-star recruit. He plays receiver. He plays defensive back for the Golden Eagles. He's going to be a DB at Fresno State. I had just talked to him at a camp previously and uh, was feeling pretty good about Fresno State's chances, but didn't expect him to, to pull the, the the decision so quickly. But um, good news for the Bulldogs there. Uh, he's a nice athlete. I was really impressed with him at the camp uh, because most players look bigger in pads. <laughs> he was one where you saw him without the pads, and you're like, "Whoa, look at the definition <laughs> his arms and his legs and stuff." Things you don't see from the kind of the stands or even the the sideline may be at. At Memorial Stadium or, or wherever he might be playing, so just getting to see him in a kind of a tank top. I mean, it just looked really impressive as, a, as an athlete, and so no, not the biggest guy, but uh, definitely you can see the work he's been putting in since we saw him as a junior. Uh, and then they also added a uh, Titus Kajavi out of Clovis West, two a linebacker, uh, an interesting one because he had no offers; Fresno State offered him at the camp, and. Uh, I know since then, he's been evaluated as a a pretty high three-star recruit. He's got an 85 rating, makes him one of the better prospects in the Valley this year. Um, So, I mean, he's one that Fresno State kind of scouted themselves, played it slow. No one else jumped in and uh, it cashed out for Fresno State at the fact that he basically committed on the spot. So two nice three-star recruits right out of Clovis West, right in the Bulldogs' backyard. Maybe there'll be three or four here uh, later. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. And then uh, one more local commit, uh, a rare one out of El Diamante uh, by Celia um, Marcel Ekins, an offensive lineman, a six foot five and two hundred and sixty five pounder right now. A really nice size. Plays, you know, not at one of the local powerhouses. Um, not where we're kind of used to looking for prospects, but he's been so good there that he is just. Uh, jumped off the the film and he had some offers like Washington State Uh, several Mountain West schools are wanting him and Fresno State also got him on campus for that camp and was able to seal the deal. So with adding him into the mix too I mean uh, especially as an offensive lineman you know there's not a whole lot of um, O-line prospects in the Valley kind of year after year we usually see them at the skills position so uh, to get one out in Visalia a, a guy that had a, a really strong high school showing and has a, a really high ceiling. Uh, it's a pretty solid job for Fresno state to, to get those three guys. So when you're looking at with them, I mean, they kind of rank as number four, five, seven in the Valley, and they have a chance to, to get a couple of the guys in the top three between Wright and Sanders deciding today, Logan Stude at Buchanan. Those are the top three guys. So, I mean, this could be a class that is really dominant and landing all the top Valley players. Uh, there's no, Huge five or four star guy in the valley, but a couple of them are are very high on the three star end, and this could be a, a really nice class for Fresno State and really centralized to, to the valley, which would be big for for Fresno State and you know making the the Green V represent what it does.
0: Well, I I, I don't remember the last time Fresno State had this many uh, possible uh, signees for the valley. It's usually pretty all over the California uh, pretty you know, spread out all over California. And, and it seems like this year they're making progress in landing a lot of kids, uh, you know, if short distances from Fresno State. Is that is that what you're seeing as well, Jackson?
1: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, clearly they Coach Dedford had to, to build those valley relationships to make all this possible and fix the, some of the stuff that happened before him the first time. But uh, I think what stands out to me is that, you know, around 2016, 17, 18, it felt like, you know, I do a rundown of all the Valley recruits playing going to FBS schools and it felt like there would be 15, maybe sometimes up to 20, maybe a little less. And I think COVID really hit the Valley in a way that a lot of other places didn't feel in California because the Valley recruits, especially, a lot of them need to get on the radar at these camps at Know their freshman sophomore seasons to get those films out there and uh, get on the radar. And I think a lot of players just kind of missed that window. And so, um, you know, with some players missing a season or, or two, uh, we didn't see as many catch on on the radar. And Fresno State I think did a really good job of getting the ones that they did. It seemed like they would get two out of the three of the top guys the last couple of classes, maybe three out of five or six, but there wasn't a deep class of local recruits. And, and I think now we're seeing that come back now that the 2024 classes has, has almost been made whole with uh, several years of being able to, to go out of the Valley and do camps and, and get their film out there. So, I mean, it's perfect timing for Fresno state to be in such good regards with the local prospects <laughs> have the, that class kind of strengthened. And, um, you know, I, I think, you're just seeing a kind of a more of a product of Valley talent kind of returning and getting back on the radar and, and Fresno state being at the right place at the right time.
0: Yeah. And I think that is going to help the the Bulldogs with the, uh, the believe it or not, the COVID did help the Bulldogs. <laughs> uh, there was a, a few players who kind of slipped through the cracks. The Fresno State was able to pick up. So, um, and maybe by that happening, it'll strengthen some of these pipelines to some of these local schools, and and uh, the Bulldogs will be able to pick up some of these uh, some of these other players in the future. So it's a uh, it it's something that will. You know, we'll have to keep an eye on. It's gonna, it's gonna be fun for me going uh, to the high school games this year. Uh, a lot of locals mm-hmm. that I can go cover, uh, and and vice versa with you as well. I mean, we'll have uh, plenty of opportunity to catch up with some of these kids before they actually step foot on Fresno State campus. So that's uh that's yeah. that's gonna be uh, huge. We'll, we'll be able to get some coverage on that, uh, right, Jackson?
1: Yeah, and the other factor of it is that the recruiting schedule has has changed with the summer official visits. Most power five schools are putting their class together. It's already done <laughs> in, in June. They're not, they're not waiting for senior seasons to see who breaks out, which we've seen a lot of Valley players break out in their senior year. And Fresno state is going to be positioned to have some of those extra scholarships to, to cash in on that. Um, and, you know, they've already identified the local talent, for that, that has already gotten on the radar and and sealed the deal with a lot of them so uh, I'm excited to get out to some games in the Valley this year as well. I think we're, we're probably both going to have to hit the road Friday to catch all these guys. There's so, <laughs> so many in the, these next couple of classes. We're going to have to spread out a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're we're going to have to, we're going to have to come up with a game plan and head in different directions. Uh, but that's uh yeah, that's definitely going to be on this year's radar. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to have a lot more coverage of the high school ball um, as we can to try and, and make sure we get as much coverage as possible uh, for the recruiting class. Um, but you know, of course, as always, Fresno state is going to be the main focus. And, um, I guess Jackson will switch gears even again, uh, once more, uh, and we're going to go right into stadium renovations. Cause I know that's a hot topic with everyone out there and we're trying and everyone's trying to figure out just how that's going to happen. Well, they still need some help. Right, Jackson? In order to do that, a few things have to go uh, the Bulldogs way. And so I'm going to have Jackson kind of break it down and and tell us exactly what needs to happen and where we're at so far um, in the stadium renovations.
1: Yeah, the the good news is there's stuff happening right now it's from what I understand, phase zero of the project. So it's not a huge part of it, but. They are renovating the suites on the east side. Um, they put out some pictures on social media this week showing the scaffolding. They're, they've got the windows all open and they're you know, redoing the whole interior uh, of those east side suites. And I believe the windows are, are gonna be retractable And. Just to have a, a whole different experience. That's going to be able to generate revenue from those suites, so that they can put in the future projects. Well, um, hold,
0: which, hold on, objects. Let me stop you. Let me. Uh-huh. You, you're saying they're renovating the east end zone again, the east side again, right? I mean, how many times have they renovated the east side? <laughs> that, that west side is getting neglected. <laughs> but no, yeah, keep going. <laughs> Sorry, I just well, I had to the, bring that out.
1: Yeah, that's a big part of it too, because right now on the West side, uh, if you're not aware, there are no suites. It's it's us and the media for the most of it. And they have the president, well, there's suites, but it's for the presidents and athletic directors and the radio booth and, and that's it. So the big plan when they put the whole stadium together the way they want to is that side, it's not just going to be a press box anymore. It is going to be it's going to be a nice press box. I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully it happens, but there's going to be, uh, I believe multiple levels and it's going to go like much farther side to side. And they're going to be able to put some suites in there. Now, most people listening are probably not in the suites and aren't all that interested, but uh, the main purpose of, I mean, the way that they are going to go through this project is that they're going to go by doing the revenue generating things first. So they do. They redo the east side suites. That gives them more money to put into the next project. As those funds come in, they do more projects that create extra revenue, and then they put that into the next thing. So that's part of the the piece here. Uh, I believe, from my understanding, they're on phase uh, on track for phase one next off season, which is going to be the north end zone project. Uh, if you saw the um, the pictures and like the renderings that they put out, uh, they're going to redo that section with. Um, like some loge seatings, like some party areas uh, to use some of that extra space there where the stairs are right now and um, make that also an area where it's going to be a, a little more social and also bring in some extra revenue there. And and then from there is the big deal, the whole West side of the stadium, basically it looks like is a, a practically being redone and the hundred million plus type of thing that they're looking at. So Um, that is one where there's probably still work to be done. If they pass measure E 2.0, that resolves a lot of it. Um, if they don't get that to pass, there's some other avenues, but, um, they're going through the project as if uh, they're going to be able to put this all together. So, so
0: far so good. Yeah. And that's uh, and that's the key. I mean, like you said, they have to do the, the, the revenue generating things first, but it's, it's like that east side has been renovated like four or five times already, and it never reached the other side. <laughs> um, so, uh, but uh, yeah, and I I believe when they do the north end zone, they're going to replace that uh, scoreboard with a a brand new one, right, Jackson? Or yeah, I know in the. the com-
1: yeah, the the total renovation or renderings that they have, it, it does have a, a very nice upgraded scoreboard there. Uh, I don't know if it's going to come through phase one. Just uh, I think it's going to be more of the seating, and that they might do the scoreboard at a, a later time when the rest of the stadium gets done. But um, the final prod uh, the final product of the north end zone will have a new scoreboard and that was one of the biggest surprises to me when they put those renderings out. Cause the one there is pretty nice right now. <laughs> if they would have just said, we're not touching that. I wouldn't have had any gripes, but uh, they have a, a very nice scoreboard upgrade plan there as well as the other side where there's a big tarp over the pixelated board that used to be there. <laughs> so I'll be looking forward to that actually having a video screen on, on that side that's uh, a little larger than the, the temporary one they put in.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, that's what I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around. Uh, they're gonna put more score, uh, put two huge scoreboards in, uh, which you know honestly, you know who's gonna complain about being able to see more video? <laughs> I, don't think, yeah. I don't think anybody. Um, but I I wish they 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 would. I know it's not a money maker, but my biggest gripe is those bathrooms. I wish they would just re just rip out all the bathrooms and start from fresh, and get some new bathrooms in there. But uh, I guess I guess that's probably like one of the last projects, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Uh, but you no, know, any other any other news or anything that that about the stadium renovation that we should kind of keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, that's that's a big piece right now. Is doing those East Side suites. They're they're going to look very nice when they're done. Um, and then there should be some other things going on. Uh, usually at fall camp, uh, we just see things that don't really get announced. The little things that that they're upgrading or improving around that maybe you don't even notice based on where you're sitting. But we usually squeeze those into our our insider practice reports. the uh, Upgrades that we've, we're seeing, you know, the, over the years, they changed out the lights and the speak, some of the speakers and some of those smaller things. But uh, we'll be keeping an eye out for any other uh, projects on the stadium right now.
0: Now, can they fix the cell phone towers? <laughs> uh, I don't know if that even can is even possible, Jackson, because uh, it seems like as soon as kickoff happens and you got forty thousand people in there, all cell phone service is out the window. Um and yeah I, and i I think that's kind of a, a a big bummer because uh fans do like to uh, show themselves at at the stadium and things like that so if they were able to kind of fix that it would uh create an even more buzz and uh, of being at the stadium so that's kind of one thing I wish they would kind of get fixed you know is the 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 cell phone signal or even how about this let's offer free Wi-Fi. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. So get Google involved. This is, this is why I'm, I'm glad uh, some of the members of the athletic department brought me in recently and and went over some of the stuff with me because I mean, that's my uh, being reporters and I can't get a tweet out during the heat of the game. I mean, that is bad. And you know, it's not just Valley children's stadium. uh, Some of the other schools I cover, I get the same thing, but um, maybe not as bad. I know Stanford has Wi-Fi, but Long story short, I was told to have stadium-wide Wi-Fi at Valley Children's Stadium would be about a $10 million project Ooh. because there's no, infra- there's no infrastructure. I mean, it's a big slab of concrete, basically. Uh, but a lot of the wires for those types of things run under the stadium or from one side to the other, and, and that just doesn't exist <laughs> the, the way that the stadium is currently built. So, you know, hopefully, uh, I, I don't believe it's been confirmed, but I think by... What they're doing on the west side, which will almost entirely redo that side, will have all the bathrooms replaced eventually. <laughs> uh, I think there will be uh, some some areas where they can work on that, or for at least half the stadium, I would I would hope. Um, well, but or, I, I, they tried to bring in some more towers and things, and, it's, and once it hits 30,000 fans, it, it's a rough go for cell phone service, unfortunately, at least for me. I got AT&T. I don't know if it's different for Verizon. but
0: uh, It's uh, the same thing for Verizon. That's what I have. <laughs> uh, I, it just shuts down. There is no getting a, any text message, tweet, nothing out uh it yeah. just it's horrible uh but uh again uh, i know they have tried to improve it in the past by including some uh some hidden cell towers i mean you you can see them uh, you, you may not even know <laughs> they're there but they're there um but hmm. it has not really done much to improve the signal uh, out of the stadium so um yeah, uh, that is uh, that is a bummer, but maybe they can address some of this once they start g- getting deeper into the stadium renovations. Uh, but again, uh, that all depends on whether or not uh, we can get some measure money and we can get some of these other projects completed. I mean, the final rendering of the stadium renovation is absolutely stunning. If it will look like that by the time they are done, that's a different story because <laughs> we all know how that <laughs> works. <laughs> Something gets cut <laughs> along the way, <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll definitely as we know more information, we'll keep you up to date. Jackson tends to have meetings with the athletic department more more and more, so as he knows more, we'll we'll, we'll share more information. Now, Jackson, before we can even wrap this up. I you know it we kind of we kind of have to do this but conference realignment I mean <laughs> fans out there go crazy with speculation about everything but I know you were able to kind of get a little bit more grounded information and what is it that you can kind of share openly About conference realignment and uh, and where that stands, because as of right now, I don't think anything's going to happen. We're too dang close to the to the season, the beginning uh, beginning of the season right now, right, Jackson. Although, when did UCLA and USC kind of drop their bombs? Like, wasn't it like at the beginning of a year one time or something like that?
1: Uh, I think it was about May June that happened, and uh, also was brought to my attention recently when. Um, the big 12 recently invited, well, two years ago, they invited BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, UCF. They're all just now joining in 2023, um, that they were invited in early September. So, uh, I mean, you, the invite can come just about any time, but it might be two years before before it actually comes to to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, the USC and UCLA is a two year deal. All those schools I mentioned going to the big 12, they're invited in 2021 and they're just now starting. So, um, I would say relative to this topic, just kind of what we learned over the course of the mountain West media days and PAC 12 media days, uh, the PAC 12 today still no TV contract. Um, I mean, April 15th was a deadline today was supposed (laughs) to be a deadline. There's still no TV deal. Uh, one of the quotes the commissioner gave out was, well, the longer we wait, the better deal we can get. So uh, who knows when they're going to give that <laughs> TV deal done. Or,
0: or the longer uh, they wait, the less money they're going to make because the next networks are going, hey, <laughs> you want to be on TV? <laughs> guess what? We can do it for this much now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, really. Uh, so, some- I mean,
1: this is the last season for their TV deal, and it's got to get done uh, eventually. But that's the big holdup, you know. There's, I, I'm getting a feeling more and more that the Pac-12, the 10 schools, are going to stick together. But you know, if that TV deal gets put in front of them and it's awful, you know, you could see Colorado, maybe Arizona. Those are the two schools that the Big 12 is trying to pull in. Maybe they actually do jump and that's kind of the domino that's got to happen here before I think Fresno state learns its fate. Um, yeah. You know, if the Pac-12 does together, I, I think they're still motivated from what I'm hearing to, to bring in some group of five schools to, to increase their conference. And it seems like Fresno state's about at the top of that list. Yukon um, and Memphis are about the only two other schools being mentioned right now besides Fresno state and circles I'm talking with. And so, I mean, if they get, if the big 12 adds no PAC 12 schools and they add some group of five schools, they add two, it seems like the odds are pretty good for Fresno state, but a lot's got to happen. You know, if they, if the PAC 12 does stick together, they may not necessarily be in a rush to add schools, but I think when the day comes <laughs> whenever the big 12 goes to 14 uh, or goes to 16, Fresno state is sitting in a really good position. It's just, it's really hard to say how soon it could happen. It's hard to say which scenario even works best for Fresno state. I think the only thing that puts the bulldogs in rather immediately is if one pac 12 school leaves, I think Fresno state would join with them, which would be very nice if it's Colorado and Fresno state or Arizona and Fresno state in the very near future. But I think outside of that scenario, it may be a little bit of a wait for, for this all to come to fruition.
0: Well, and, and then you, if you think about it, if, if, uh, Colorado, Arizona jump over to the uh, to the to the Big Twelve. Uh, then you've got to think that maybe a couple of other schools like Oregon and um, I don't know who else would 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 probably make that leap, but Oregon and, and and one other school would probably leap to the Big Ten. And then there's four schools gone, and now all of a sudden the Pac-12 has six teams. Um. <laughs> And and then what does the Pac-12 do? Do they go out and try to poach more, or do those teams try and find places elsewhere? And the the Pac-12 just completely implodes. Um, that that's also on the table, right, Jackson? I mean,
1: uh. yeah, I think there's a lot of stubborn schools in the Pac-12, <laughs> Cal and Stanford, that they want it to exist the way it does. Uh, Arizona State and Utah have emerged as those schools. They don't seem to have any interest of any other reality except being in the Pac-12. Oregon State and Washington State got nowhere to go. Uh, so you've got six teams that are, are pretty uh, you know, rock solid. Um, uh, Oregon and Washington would go to the Big Ten right now if they could. Uh, but the, the invitation hasn't come yet, and you know it may take them a while. So that's where this whole thing gets a little confusing to me because the the sentiment I'm hearing is that Colorado and Arizona are both hesitant to um, break up the conference while USC and UCLA already did it. <laughs> and it could happen some more if Oregon and Washington get that big 10 invitation. So um, I think the big 12 has really locked in on those two schools alone in that conference and um, that they are read whether or not they get those, you know, they're they're ready to look at some group of five schools too. And, And that's where Fresno State's in a really good spot.
0: Well, we all know where this this is all going to revolve around, and it's uh, it goes back to the to the to the quote famous quote from the Jerry Maguire movie, and it's "Show me the money," and that's (laughs) that's what it's going to be all about. Uh, You know, if if the they get the right deal uh, in place, the Pac-10 will stick together and may not even change anything. if, if the money is not where they want it to be and the Big 12 can offer more money, then a couple of schools will jump there. A couple of schools may jump to the Big 10, and then you have a kind of, uh, oh, shit, what do we do now? <laughs> 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 that's what's that's what's going to happen because the Pac-12, the, the, the PAC which I don't know why they're still called the Pac-12, the Pac-12 can now become the Pac-6. Or they're going to have to try and pick up at least, you know, uh, four teams to at least change their name back to the Pac-10, uh, which could happen. Um, and Or they can pick up six teams to make them to the Pac-12. It, it There's a lot going on there. And, Jackson, we could keep talking about this until, you know, midnight tonight. But I don't think we want to do that because there's a <laughs> number of different scenarios that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sure. Where Fresno State falls into that is, we've heard, pack we've heard Pac twelve we've heard uh, Big twelve, and I'm I'm gonna put you on a spot. What what's your feeling that would be the best possible scenario for the Bulldogs?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's it hasn't happened yet, of course, but I think the best scenario is kind of playing out where. Um, the PAC 12 is very vulnerable, I think. And the big 12 is in a very strong position. Um, you know, there's no talks, any of those schools leave. they lost Texas and Oklahoma already and no one else is really, uh, a poachable school, I think. So, you know, they're going to be at 12 schools after Texas and Oklahoma leave. And if Fresno state can get into that 14 or 16 team conference, I mean, that's going to be leaps and bounds stronger than if say the PAC 12 had invited, San Diego state and Fresno state right off the bat when they lost USC and UCLA, like they should have. <laughs> so uh, if Fresno state gets to the big 12, that would be the ideal spot. And I think, I mean, from what I'm hearing, many sources, other reports around town, Fresno state is very high on that list. It's just kind of a matter of when the dominoes fall, which way the dominoes fall if, if they get that call. So, um, but I think they're in a good spot. It's just, uh, it's tough to say that it might happen very soon. Uh, this is trending towards dragging on even longer. I think. Yeah.
0: It's uh it's, it seems like this is going to be an ongoing conversation throughout the season, unless one of those dominoes happen soon. Um, again, it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Um, teams could start getting a little antsy the longer it goes without a TV contract for the pack 12. Um, and so the longer it takes, the more nervous people are going to get, right, Jackson? And then that's when that's when we're going to start seeing the cracks <laughs> happen here uh, and the rumors are going to start getting more and more fast and furious uh, as to what is going about to happen. So either way, um, should the Big 12 come calling, Bulldogs will probably head that way, Back the Pac-12 come calling, the uh, Fresno State's going to have to do kind of a gut check. Are they better off in the Mountain <laughs> West? or would they be better in the Pac 12? I don't know. They they're losing a lot of uh firepower in the Pac 12, but uh could be good for the Bulldogs to to make an attempt to go to the Pac 12, but if that conference doesn't last for very long, then they're going to be in a world of hurt later on. Uh I don't know. It's a it's it's a double-edged sword, right Jackson?
1: Yeah, and fortunately, I think the decision's been made for them. I, I just think as long as Cal and Stanford are there, they just don't want anything to do with Fresno State being in that same conference. You know, maybe in that scenario where they get demolished down to six or fewer schools, they finally cave. Uh, but I, uh, it would have made a lot of sense for Fresno State to be there, but I just don't think they're ever going to get that call unless it's a, a total last resort for the Pac-12 and. And that's why it's nice that Fresno State's kind of focused in on the Big 12 and that it seems like it's being uh, reciprocated, but still, still working on that.
0: According to Stanford and Cal, Fresno State's the cockroach that doesn't die. <laughs> but hey uh, that that is fine Uh, you know it's just it's the typical underdog mentality that fresno state has and will continue to have as long as the other teams uh, continue to overlook them so uh, we'll see how things progress as the as the season goes on Um, we'll keep you up to date on any any breaking news so to speak uh, whether it be stadium renovations conference realignment whatever it is uh stick to the bark board because that's where you're going to get your latest news and updates uh for the Fresno State Bulldogs now Jackson that being said any final thoughts before we wrap this one up
1: um yeah one other, uh, quick, a couple of a quick couple quick topics that came up in media days so, to mention um if, if you missed them um One, they tweaked the uniforms a little bit. They put the green V on the collar, which is kind of neat to see. I think a lot of red waivers are excited about that. Uh, They enlarged the font on the front where it says Fresno State, a little easier to see, and some other things. Um, And then, But the big one is that they're no longer doing retired jerseys. Um, So um, they're still going to have all the names that are already up there, but it's going to be a ring of honor um, instead of the retired jerseys, which – the Bulldogs have over 110 players. There's only there's not even 100 numbers, right? So <laughs> they they have duplicate numbers, and a lot of players want to be a number four, a number eight, and so on, number nine. So uh, they got to fix that logistically on the team. Right, and it also allows Fresno State to honor maybe some people that aren't quite jersey retirement worthy that should get some sort of recognition you know I mean every time a new name goes up there everyone's talking about who else should be up there so uh, this is a chance for Fresno State to get a lot of other names on there quicker and what they're going to do this year if you haven't heard um, is they're going to honor two coaches Jim Sweeney posthumously of course and then Pat Hill Uh, they're going to put those two names on the press box as well so since it's not a jersey retirement thing anymore you can honor coaches and they're going to be honored. So that would be nice to see. Uh, the Sweeney ceremony is going to be during the season opener uh, or the home opener. And uh, the Pat Hill ceremony is going to be in the UNLV game. I think it's the 28th, right before Halloween. So um, those will be two fun uh, ceremonies to, to see as uh, part of a new era for honoring president of State legends.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a good thing that will allow uh, them to recycle those numbers with the bulldogs which is sorely needed like you said they're, they're gonna run out of numbers if they keep retiring them <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's gonna definitely help uh making sure that we don't see double numbers out on the field uh, at certain positions because uh, it kind of becomes a logistic nightmare when they're trying to give these numbers out to players so um that being said if you're looking for jackson you can find him on twitter at jackson moore 247 you can find me on twitter at red wave report uh, if you haven't done so already head over to the facebook page and give it a like it's the um barkboard.com just give it a search you'll be able to find it we're over five thousand strong uh and growing uh so uh make sure you uh, give that a chance and then also, uh, if you haven't done so already, head over to TheBarkBoard.com where we have both free and premium subscriptions. However, the premium subscription is where it's at. All the latest news and updates gets broken on the premium way before it's made public. So uh, that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again uh, very soon as we start to kick off the season of Red Wave, uh, the Red Wave Report and all the coverage of Fresno State Athletics.